What's your favorite uh, historical drama movie? Do you have one? Historical drama. Yeah. I don't go in for a lot of them. I'm trying to think. That's why I was saying, do you have one? It can be a cowboy movie. That's fine. (laughs) It probably isn't. Well, let me think. Okay, this is cheating, but there's a movie that's called um, Uzumasa Limelight. Uh And it's a Japanese movie that came out a handful of years ago. So the movie itself is not a historical drama. Uh-huh. But is it is about an actor who acts in historical dramas in Japan. Okay. Well, I guess it's it's a it's not like modern day modern day. It's like a couple decades past. Sure. Basically, it's about a guy who has been in just like countless like TV dramas, historical movies, like all about the samurai era and that kind of stuff. But he's not like a star. His, I, I guess you could call it claim to fame. Um, and I think it's a little bit of like kind of an actor sort of playing a version of themselves is that he's really good at dying. <laughs> so like when you're shooting these historical dramas, like the money shot is when the samurai like does the and then the person is like frozen in space for a moment before collapsing. Mm -hmm. And so like, that's what he's really good at. And so he's always like a background actor that like, he'll have, you know, the fight with like the main character hero or whatever, but then dies like really beautifully on screen or whatever. Like he's really good at that. And so the movie is about like his career and there's like a young actress that like wants to come and learn stage combat from him. And then also like he's, he's definitely getting up in years. And there's also uh, a part where like, I guess it's like the sixties. So like samurai drama are starting to fall out of fashion and like detective dramas and crime dramas are, are really taking over the public's attention. And so less of those movies are being made. And like the series he's in, that's been running for literal decades, like it's canceled really abruptly. Uh-huh. And so it's kind of about like his retiring or sort of like, you know, it's, it's like a death of another kind. It was just, it was a very like in that Japanese way, like subtle emotional movie, but it was, it, we watched it. And then when we went to Japan, it was just Andrew and I on one of our trips, we got to go to like the Toei Park where like, I think they shot some of it. Mm-hmm. And that like the Toei studio is definitely like the studio that the movie is based around. So it's kind of like, oh, like this is kind of like the scenery and the the costuming and the stuff like that, that they would have, you know, employed in the dramas that he was supposedly making and stuff like that. But it's sort of like on the line there the only other movie that like comes to mind right now is that one with um christopher reeves what is that movie where he time travels <laughs> to, like he, he he gets like he gets so horny for a painting he time travels to meet the woman what oh what oh hang Who's on hang jane on. seymour it's like something somewhere in, in time. time somewhere in time yeah <laughs> my mom loved that movie and it's so funny like it's le- it's legitimately like that is the whole summary of the film it's like this (laughs) this man gets so horny for a painting he figures out how to go back in time and meet this woman and fall in love with her i think if i was going to devote myself to any decade style to be like okay this is going to be the decade that i'm going to dress as it would probably be the 80s because the 80s slapped it was whack but it slapped like they just had no fear in the yeah. 80s is the thing yeah. and that's the kind of existence i want to live that's why everybody was so tired when the 90s rolled around and they just rolled into grunge just because they were so exhausted from trying so hard in the <laughs> 80s <laughs> i think about 
Fer- okay, Ferris Bueller is one of my favorite 80s movies. I think it's probably it probably is my favorite 80s movie. Next to maybe like Heathers, but that's because I have a real thing for Christian Slater. And I think about any outfit that anyone wore in Ferris Bueller. Like they're so iconic and like you can like conjure those characters in your head. Just I I love the 80s. Shoot. Well, you know who I bet had a really good fashion sense in the 1980s? Oh, and who has impeccable fashion sense now? Yeah, Gwen Stacy. So maybe we should um maybe we should talk about that. Or at least just talk about Gwen. Yes. <laughs> What's up, everybody? My name is Zeke. And I'm Kat. And we are here to ask the question, was Spider-Man there? This is a show that Kat and I have put together because we both very much enjoy comics. And Kat and I have very differing levels of comic knowledge. I don't know that much about Spider-Man. And Kat knows as much about Spider-Man as I do about Christian Slater. So... (laughs) so (laughs) That may be a slight exaggeration. (laughs) You're like, hang on now. (laughs) We wanted to go through different comics and just come up with plots and see if we could find out if Spider-Man was there. And so every week, Kat gives me a theme and I throw together a pitch. And this is a segment we call Elevator Pitch. And I tell Kat a really cool story, I hope. And then she gets to do research and we find out if Spider-Man was there. And there's also a mystery second part of the podcast, but I can't tell you about that part. And then when we get there, you can come you can come listen to this part again and it'll be back to the future. <laughs> I'm really working hard on this. Yeah. <laughs> really trying to but pull don't, this Don't in. worry, no one's mom is gonna hit on anyone. Oh, I certainly hope not. Uh Kat, can you tell us what our theme this week is? Yes, uh our theme this week is Gwen. We are gonna talk about all things Gwen. I'm excited for this because I don't know anything about Gwen Stacy. I don't know how she became Spider Gwen. I don't know anything about her. You know what I do know about her? is that every girl or feminine presenting person that I know who's very short and has a bad attitude loves spider Gwen. <laughs> like, <laughs> like everyone that I've met that's my height, because I'm only five feet tall, everyone that I've met that's my height or smaller who would kill you absolutely loves spider Gwen. And so I'm, I'm drawn to her as a character. I did see her in Into the Spider-Verse. I know that she has a story there, but I don't know like the, the canon gwen story but you know what i Mm -hmm. do know is from previous episodes i know that there is also a gwen pool and so i wanted to bring you a pitch where gwen stacy spider gwen rather and gwen pool team up together and they have to defeat a villain but interestingly enough our cold open just fell into place because I wanted them to time travel. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, what if like spider Gwen and Gwenpool like wound up in like a weird dystopian future and they had to fight their way through it using this partnership that they have. Now here's the thing. I don't know anything about Gwenpool period. I know that she exists and I know that her power is like to make comics canon or something 
I know we had talked about her in a past episode, and I'm so sorry. I, I promise I'm paying attention. It was just forever ago. Yeah, yeah. So I wanted there to be this story where they get kind of thrust in the future. And I think it's kind of maybe like some of their first time together. I think that the two of them maybe don't know each other that well, if Mm -hmm. at all. Um, And so I think they're kind of like, Oh, what? Like, why would this happen? And like, they don't kind of understand why they've been put in the same place. And so the one's like, okay, who are you? And she's like, I'm spider Gwen. Who are you? And the other one's like, I'm, Oh, I'm Gwen pool. And then the first one's like, don't cop my brand. And the second one's like, You've copped my brand, actually. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just laughing about the two of them showing up and being one of them being like, um, one of us is going to have to change. Yeah, exactly. That's it. That's like the like, oh, well, no, we can't do this. And I wanted there to be, uh, so far, one of my favorite villains that we've talked about has been Dr. Octavius or Doc Ock. I think that uh-huh. I just, oh, man, I just like him because he's such a nerd and he's so sinister and he's, but he's just a big nerd. Like, I can't get I can't get over it. So I wanted there to be like this future where like Octavius had created like drones and like machines that like scouted like New York and like he was kind of like a weird like technopunk dictator type person and he's ruling over New York City like twirling his non-existent mustache or whatever. And so the Gwens have to like come together and like fight him. And so they wind up like finding out what happened to like the Deadpool and the Spider-Man of, of this universe, which is that they have gone into retirement. And so they're like, okay, well we're not, I mean like Deadpool, you're going to come fight with us. And he's like, hell no. And they're like, why? And he's like, cause I don't feel like it. It's not really that I'm afraid <laughs> of death. I just, I've just put some hot pockets in the microwave and you know how it is. You have to wait exactly a minute and 12 seconds and then they're and then they're perfect and if i leave it for too long it'll get like congealed i just really want to eat the hot pockets so whatever just let octavius do his thing it's fine the taxes have only gone up a little bit i don't care about the drones in the window and <laughs> wow and so the girls are like hmm and so then they go find like spider-man and he's like I'm old and I can't help you because I'm Spider-Man and it's tragic and my wife died. And they're like, okay, deuces, we're out. <laughs> so, yeah, they're like, all right, Peter, we've done, we've read this comic. Okay, we, listen, we were there for rain. We're, we're out. We got to go. <laughs> so they're like, whatever, I guess it's just us. I guess it's just us too. And so they like get to know each other. And this is kind of the part where it's like train noises because I don't really know anything about either of them, but I enjoy this idea of the two of them kind of coming together and like learning about each other in sort of the way that Spider-Man and Deadpool got to know each other, except for, I don't think their relationship is quite the same in the like heartmates possible smooching aspect. That may just be my discomfort as like a man writing this pitch. I don't want to be like, and then they were lesbian in together, but like, I definitely think that like they get close as, I mean, as close as they can through this like singular event. And so they like learn about each other's background and stories and they're like, okay, we can do this. Me and you together, we can go forward and we can defeat Octavius and we can set New York straight. And so they go and there's like a big showdown and they're like kind of like springboarding off of each other's powers. And Octavius is like, Oh, what's going on? Where's Spider-Man? And they're like, he's really old now. So it's us. (laughs) And so, and he's like, I forgot the passage of time. And then, like, f- they find out that, like, Octavius is the one who, like, built the time machine that threw them back in time anyway. And so, 
He's like, you can't kill me or I'll destroy the time machine and you'll be stuck here forever. And they both kind of look at each other and they're like, okay, like that doesn't scare us. And he's like, what? And then they beat him up because he like takes his tentacle off the time machine and they beat him up. And they're like, just kidding. We cared so much. And now you're going to jail. And so they like defeat Octavius and they go back home to their own time, which is whatever year. And the last panel is like a white page and it's like Deadpool, like walking out and he has his hot pocket and he looks at the, he looks at the reader and he's like, it's finally done. You can see why I had to wait. It's perfect. (laughs) And that's it. it, That's that's amazing. He's like, it's over. Go home. Yeah, it's over. The comic's (laughs) over. Go home. Go have your own hot pocket. That's amazing. So that's, so that's my pitch for Spider-Gwen and Gwenpool in their cool time travel adventure uh Gwen should we expect you (laughs) amazing yeah amazing so my question to you is not so specific but I do want to know about Spider-Gwen first of all but also was Spider-Gwen there and did she ever hang out with Gwenpool okay so I'm sure that anybody who is listening to this podcast who knows anything about comics is like oh my god oh my god Kat needs to she needs to set Zeke straight. <laughs> so I'll do that now. Yeah, I figured there was going to be some of this. Like, I was like, man, but I just, I know that there is Spider-Man and Deadpool. And so I was like, this makes sense for me, uh, a, a dumbass, to come in and be like, well, obviously Spider-Gwen and Gwenpool. But there was something in the back of my mind that was like, you're going to be so wrong and so many nerds are going to be mad at you. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay, though. That's That's what makes it fun. Let me talk a little bit about... Uh, the backstory for both of them. Uh, Gwen Stacy has a very kind of blink and you'll miss it backstory. I mean, they do in Into the Spider-Verse, they they give you that like real quick recap where mm-hmm. she's bitten by the radioactive spider and then in her universe, Peter ends up, uh, I think he's experimenting on himself and he ends up turning himself into the lizard. And so mm-hmm. when she pursues him, I think it's literally like on prom night, she like pursues him and beats him up, not realizing. And then he ends up dying in that fight. And that's a turning moment for her, as opposed to like the whole uncle Ben situation where she realizes that like, okay, like fighting crime and stopping bad guys is the thing I have to do. But also like she pushes people away to protect herself. And that self-isolation is a big part of uh spider gwen or technically her name is spider woman but everybody calls her spider gwen okay uh that's a big part of her characterization gwenpool on the other hand is not actually a version of gwen stacy okay so uh gwenpool showed up kind of as like a visual gag we talked a little bit about secret wars a couple episodes ago and there is a short run called deadpool's secret secret wars which is like, it's it kind of feels fan fiction-y where it's like, here's a handful of issues talking about what Deadpool was doing during the Secret Wars. And like, he was actually there, but you don't know it because at the end of his chain of events, he erases everybody's memory of him being there. Like, even though he affected events and like did things and like helped these people out, like he erased himself from the whole consciousness of anybody that was there. So that's why we hadn't heard about Deadpool being there. But they released a bunch of different covers for it, as Marvel is wont to do. And one of the covers was like, hey, you know how we have like that Spider-Gwen thing? Like, let's do a Deadpool one of those. And so they like drew art of her, but like nothing was ever going to come of it. And then people were like, but we want that. And so I think her first appearance is actually in like an issue of Howard the Duck or something where like 
she shows up from the real universe, our, mm-hmm. our, presumably our universe, and she's a comic book fan, and she shows up in the Marvel 616 universe, and then basically her story is that she's like, oh, uh, okay, well, I'm here in this universe, but this is a, this is a comic book universe, so nothing I do really matters. Like, everybody here is fictional, and if anybody dies, then they weren't important anyway. And so she, like, kind of starts on a path to, like, low-key villainy before being like, wait, no, actually even though these aren't quote unquote real people, I care about them. So maybe I should be a good guy. And so she like becomes like a mercenary for a hot minute before kind of like trying to reevaluate her, her life goal there. So the two characters are not actually Gwen Stacy and don't have like, or not both Gwen Stacy and they don't have the same backstory or like the same super origin in the way that like, you know, like a lot of Spider-Man characters, you know, like most Peter Parker's follow a certain pattern. We don't really have that here. And I think Marvel wanted to make sure that they remained distinct. So they have had only very limited interactions. And when I say limited, uh, scouring through some issues, and I consulted some of my people on uh, the Isn't It Bromantic uh, Spidey Pool server, because there's some people there that are more well-read in Gwenpool than I. They haven't had, there's never been like a storyline where these two hang out. There have been a couple of incidents where, like, Gwenpool was at a party and Spider-Gwen was in the background. So, like, they existed in the same room. And then there is one brief moment, it's like two pages worth, of unbelievable Gwenpool, where Gwenpool is, like, I I believe she is, like, time traveling and, like, jumping around and, and doing shit. I think she's, like, chasing after a future version of herself or something like that. And she ends up like in an alleyway and sees the green goblin who has at the moment gotten the better of Peter Parker, Spider-Man, Cindy Moon, Silk and Miles Morales. And she, and he's just like, ha, you know, he's like about to do his finishing blow and they're all like passed out in the alley. And she like careens in and she's gotten a web shooter from somewhere. And so Mm -hmm. she's like shooting webs at him and she's like, woo, I'm spider Gwen. And then like (laughs) the real Gwen shows up and she's like, what, what you're who now you're what now? What did you say? And she's like, ah, just kidding. And then they beat up the green goblin and they all have pizza. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so like, that's, I think the biggest moment these two have shared together. Mm -hmm. And I think kind of, Partially as a nod to the character, but also maybe just because it looks cool. There is a cartoon series called Marvel Heroes Rising. Mm-hmm. And in that series, uh, Gwen's character isn't... There's already a Spider-Woman. And so that gets confusing, especially when you're trying to like establish a new show and new character and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously Spider-Gwen is a terrible name to be a superhero under. Right. Uh, so in that series, she goes by Ghost spider Okay. It's still Gwen Stacy. It's still all her storyline, but she does have like the signature pink dip dye highlights or whatever that Gwenpool has. Okay. So either someone was like, hey, that's a good look. We should incorporate that. Or, you know, maybe it's a nod to the character or something like that. So um, that's a little thing. But uh, I didn't want to come back like completely empty handed. So I did come back with an issue where Gwenpool teams up with another Spider Man favorite. Okay which is Venom. Because <gasps> <laughs> I thought you would enjoy this one. Of course. So this is an issue from Edge of Venomverse, which is like kind of like a prequel to the Venomverse event. I feel like at Marvel headquarters, there's a dartboard. And it says, 
like one column is like edge beginning uh life uh <laughs> start uh time and then the and then the other half is like venom spider uh mega ultimate blah blah and then the and then the last one is like verse world uh universe <laughs> like and they just like throw darts and they're like okay this one's called uh, uh time uh spider-man solar system go for it <laughs> like, like it's like it's like one of those wheels that has smaller wheels so like they have to spin all of them and then it's like a skyrim puzzle except for it doesn't yeah. matter what it lands on yeah i yeah. can't every time you bring me a tight like edge of edge of venom verse yeah i can't this sounds like how you label fan fiction I mean, a little bit, yeah. Okay, tell me that. Anyway, tell me about the comic. I just think the way that these are named is always so funny. <laughs> so uh, this comic opens up with Gwenpool kind of like, she does a real brief recap about like, I'm from the real universe and how she showed up in this universe that she's in right now. And, and she's like, you know, the comic book universe. Mm -hmm. And she runs into a guy who's real. She, she's like, oh, uh, I don't have any powers. I realized that was a real problem if I wanted to be, you know, a hero. But I ran into a guy who was trying to get rid of something, and it was just what I needed. And so she's obviously talking about running into Eddie Brock and taking the symbiote from him. Mm -hmm. And so it opens up with her intercepting this, like, drug deal where these guys are like, oh, we're going to, you know, they try to shoot her, but then, like, the symbiote pops out and she's fine. And then all these ninjas descend, like, you know, just a horde of ninjas and... Uh, Gwenpool, of course, being a comic book reader, is very genre savvy. So she's like, well, if you had just sent one ninja, I would have been worried because then obviously that ninja would be like the best ninja and he would be a master. But you sent like 30 ninjas. So they're shit. <laughs> that's, how, that's how ninjas work. That's the logic. Um, it is the logic. Um, and so she just destroys them. And just as she's like finishing off all the ninjas, Daredevil shows up. Okay. And... And he's like, uh, I really wish you hadn't killed all these ninjas because I would have liked to interrogated some of them. And, but I understand, you know, I guess like they were trying to kill you. So I can't really be super angry about it. He seems to be pretty chill about this. And she's like instantly smitten. She's like, oh my God, like he's a lot younger than I thought he would be. And he's way cuter than I thought he would be. And the Venom <laughs> is like, well, I don't think this is the universe you think it is. And she's like, okay, whatever, whatever. He's still hot. And right. so... <laughs> Then it cuts to the next day where she has, I guess, taken a job at some law office. And so she's the secretary for her boss. And she's, she's sitting in on a meeting taking notes. And who should walk in but Matt Murdock to have this discussion with her boss about okay. some chemicals that he believes, uh, some toxic chemicals he believes that the company is allowing to leach out, you know, into the public or whatever. And and uh, the the boss is like, no, we're an upstanding condiment company. <laughs> like, we don't make drugs. That's ridiculous. Um <laughs> And so instead no of drugs taking here, just mustard. <laughs> exactly. So instead of taking proper notes, she's like doodling the whole time. Like she's like, you know, writing like Miss Gwen Murdoch and like oh. she's drawing pictures of her and Daredevil like riding off into the sunset on a unicorn together. And the meeting doesn't go well. And so, you know, Matt leaves and her boss is like, give me all those papers and like takes everything. And she's like, oh, shit my boss just walked off with a paper that says Matt Murdock is daredevil. And so now she's got to get it back, obviously. Right. So she tries by like to like set off the fire alarm to try and get the papers. And that doesn't work. 
Um, she ends up sneaking into like his home after hours and surprise all those like more of those ninjas she was fighting shows up and she's like oh my god my boss has been working with the ninjas the whole time he really is an evil criminal mastermind and then daredevil shows up and he's like all right we have to fight obviously but like uh, you know we're not gonna kill anybody and she's like all right all right you know fine i'll do it your way but then the boss like pulls out a gun to shoot daredevil and so she like venomizes a shield but it ricochets the bullet back into him it's all very cartoony and but sounds like, great yeah and daredevil's just like well i didn't really want this to end with anybody dying but i mean i i understand you were protecting me and and i mean he did pull a gun and yeah oh and he also is like oh yeah i totally knew that it was you in the room during the meeting because Venom was like, oh, don't worry, I'll disguise your scent. Like, I'll I'll pretend to be fancy perfume. And he's like, yeah, your symbiote it does a terrible impression of perfume. Yeah. <laughs> and they regroup on the roof. And she's like, you know, giggly and like, oh my god, Daredevil is so cute. And meanwhile, Venom is like, this is weird. This universe is weird. Something is wrong here. And she's like, whatever, it's fine. And Daredevil's like, all right, well, thanks for the assist. I'm going to leave. And he's like, actually, you know what? Maybe we should patrol together. But as he turns around, that's when she gets, like, sucked into a portal, which we did briefly touch on Venomverse, which is Venom Doctor Strange. Yeah. Taking all the different Venoms into his universe so they can handle that situation. But yeah, if I think, like, given the tone of the Venomverse event that I had read previously like this was way lighter in tone it's definitely like a gwenpool comic uh versus like a venom a standard venom storyline for his sure. like the tone and and stuff like that but i just i thought it was fun i wanted to touch on it like gwenpool i think is slowly making her mark in the marvel universe there are some people that think she's a little too annoying that she like takes the fourth wall stuff a little too far I think yeah, because is... yeah, because Deadpool's definitely not known for that. I think in the comics he does it less than people think. Okay, or or that like it's it's the punchline to jokes, or it's like a referential thing where like he'll refer to movies or comics kind, and like other characters just brush it off. But since it's Gwenpool's like whole thing, like it's it's basically her I power. see, I see. Some people find it a little bit much, but I, I think stories like this are fun and fine. And especially if I had like a younger reader that was like into Venom and I didn't necessarily want them reading like the rated T for teen or M for mature Venom comics like this might be something I would hand them. Mm -hmm. And it was it was just fun to see a cute daredevil. Yeah, well, who I mean, who among us? <laughs> I say that like I know anything about Daredevil, but all I saw was the bad movie with the Evanescence song. Yeah! Oh my god! Oh! Oh god. That hurts my my heart. The Netflix series is really good. Yeah. Second season Second season is weak. Netflix, Daredevil, great. I could talk about that for a little while, but I won't. Uh, yeah, I don't... I know everybody was really into it, and I, it was kind of one of those periphery fandoms for me, because it was like... I feel like I was really into, like, Hannibal at the time, and so it was like, people were like, oh, Daredevil! Like, kind of like in my like you know out of the corner of my eye and i was like mm, but does he eat anybody 
Like, like, no, okay. no, but he does get real beat up. Yeah, no, I know that now. Like, now is an adult <laughs> man who has no more shame, so people know what I'm about. They're like, hey, here's some shows where a man gets real beat up, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, like not, not to, uh, not to. I don't know what the phrase is here, but like, there are some, there are some actors out there who take a real good beating. Oh screen. yeah, oh absolutely, you are <laughs> so correct. All right, so everybody, when I get when I'm back next week, I will have watched Daredevil. I promise to watch at least one episode. I assume it's still on Netflix, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I promise to watch at least one episode of Daredevil um, by next week, and I will have a review. The good, the good thing about Daredevil is, I think if you watch the first episode, you will know whether or not you'll want to watch more. Okay, that's fair. Well, shoot. I mean, I'm happy that my plot is original, I guess, but also, like... I don't know if it's a hollow victory. It feels like, cause it's like, well, you kind of grab two things that are entirely unrelated and like mash them together. But I mean, I feel like that's kind of in the spirit of comics, I guess. Like, I don't know. Everybody's looking for the next big thing. Not that I think the spider Gwen and Gwenpool are the next big thing, but you feel me. So yeah. So thank you for um, doing that research. I can't, I can't imagine that was easy at all trying to unearth these hidden uh tidbits <laughs> but i don't know about you i'm ready to go to the the second part uh, of the episode and find out some more about uh gwen and her life and times and super ultra uh gwen universe <laughs> gweniverse gwen yeah let's go We made it. We're here in the Gweniverse, I guess. But, wow. <laughs> and then Kat show, Kat's here now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kat, can you tell us about the second half of the show, please? The second half of the show is what we like to call Two Truths and a Fic, where I have brought Zeke two canon storylines from comics or other media and one fan fiction plot, and Zeke has to try and guess which one is which. Now, I'm normally not very good at this game, but... I did get it last time. You did. You which earned was the, you earned the pair of stickers. Which was yeah, a pair, the, double, folks. So let's see if my good luck holds out. Actually, this would be uh, number three if you can get it this week. Okay, wait, hold on. Only three? No, I mean like this would be three in a row. Oh, oh, oh I see. Okay, okay. I was like, no, I've won more than that. <laughs> okay, today's sticker is. Uh, a Spider-Man sticker where he's signing, he's hanging down from a sign that says "Welcome to Queens" because I think we can all agree that Gwen Stacy is a queen. I love it. I love it. Also, um, how hospitable of Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, "Hey, what's up? Hey, welcome, welcome. to welcome to my friendly neighborhood." <laughs> yep. All right. Here is plot number one. Okay. As Valentine's Day approaches, Peter finds there is only one person he wants to talk to but she's not around. Instead, he makes a series of recordings detailing how he met and fell in love with Gwen Stacy and how it all fell apart. Oh, what? That's sad. Uh, okay. That sucks. And it really sounds like a fan fiction. Hmm. Okay, I just get, uh, let's go ahead and move on to the second one because this one has me stumped. Okay. Jefferson Davis, that's Miles' dad, Okay. Rejoins Shield in exchange for their protection of his son, and suddenly goes missing. 
Miles' search for his father takes him to some unexpected places, namely Dimension Number 65, the home of one Gwen Stacy, the Spider Woman. Will their combined skills and powers be enough to uncover what happened to Jefferson and bring him home? Ooh, okay. So, all right. So he gets, so he joins S.H.I.E.L.D. willingly and then he goes missing? Yes. So, okay. So his dad, in in exchange for S.H.I.E.L.D.'s continued protection of Miles, he's like, okay, I'll come be an agent for you again. And then they put him on a mission, but then he he goes missing and uh, it's Mariah Hill who comes in and she's, she tells Miles, she's like, your dad's missing and uh, we don't know where he is and we need you to go find him. Okay. All right. Um, Let's go ahead and and do the third one. All right. Even though it seemed like a dream job where Gwen Stacy enjoyed plenty of prestige and high level clearance, her role at Oscorp comes to an end for obvious reasons. Looking for her next move, she finds the answer in an unexpected place, interning in the science department of S.H.I.E.L.D. At least she gets dental. Oh my gosh, that's so cute. Hmm. Now see, that one also sounds like a fanfic. Hmm. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Okay, so here's my... I think the second one's canon. I think the the first one with the tape recordings, it feels like that would be a fanfic, but but something in my jellies is telling me that that one's canon. So, I'm gonna go with canon for that one. Yeah, I think the last one's a fanfic. So that's my that's what I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with canon, canon fanfic, final answer. Welcome to Queens and welcome to the three in a row club. Hell yeah. Doo, 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 doo. Pew, 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 pew. I was so excited. I did it. I got the welcome to Queen. I really wanted this one too. <laughs> I'm putting like, it in the book right now. I'm so hype. I can't believe it. I was so stuck on the second one. I was like, this one's going to be the one that gets me. Like, <laughs> but I've just, the part about at least she gets dental. I was like, that's a fanfic author for sure. <laughs> Like no workplace, whatever. Yeah, I was like, that's somebody who's who's projecting for <laughs> sure. <laughs> that's what honestly, that was what changed my mind. Because like, if it if that had not been in there, I'd have probably thought that one was the canon one. But I love the idea of the tape recordings one, so I want to get into that. But we'll start wherever you want. Okay, well, let's talk about the fan fiction first. Okay, perfect. Okay, that one is the third one. You're right, and it is called "Packing for the Rest of Your Life." Mm-hmm. And it's by Tomato Cages. Okay. <laughs> you got to keep them in. They'll get out. Yeah, they'll escape. <laughs> um, and this one, I think, is generally based on, like, the Amazing Spider-Man movies. Mm-hmm. But, like, uh, their author's notes said that they were having a conversation with their friend. were like, oh, we really liked Emma Stone as Gwen. Mm-hmm. But they said like oh we wish she had more agency though and they're like agency huh like agent of shield <laughs> and uh <laughs> so like that's where the the idea came from so yeah it's just it's kind of just about like her um applying for this new internship and like getting used to it um there's an appearance from like another character who i think is from the thor movies that a lot of people really like um darcy and uh, it's it's yeah it's kind of about her getting used to that and settling in and also like Peter 
kind of coming to terms with her working there because he's like this is a little bit of a conflict of interest but also like you deserve to have a good job and they do repeatedly talk about like her dental benefits so, <laughs> so i just thought i should tomato, i had to mention it tomato cages i am on to you i i know that you don't get dental where you work i know listen i've listen listen i know a self-insert fan fiction when i see one <laughs> I know some fantasy fulfillment when I yeah, see it. Yeah, I definitely know. I know what it's like to want dental. This reminds me of that bit in Shrek where they break into the um, the fairy godmother's potion factory. And they pretend to be from, like, the union. And they're like, how's, how's work here? And the little, like, elf at the desk is like, it's not great. We don't even get dental. <laughs> and Shrek, like, looks at Donkey and he's like, they don't even get dental. Like... <laughs> Well, that's how it is at Oscorp, apparently. Ah, <laughs> uh, damn. Damn you, Norman. Anyway, <laughs> I can't get caught up on bad bosses not giving people dental. Let's move on. Uh, okay, so the first one is another short miniseries. It's Spider-Man Blue. So this is a six-issue miniseries that I think is a good primer for readers who maybe want to get caught up kind of on like early Spider-Man like the personal side of things and they're like I don't understand like Gwen Stacy I don't who where is she from like I thought Mary Jane was his girlfriend or whatever um I don't really understand who Flash Thompson is or like how did Harry and Peter end up being roommates or like what you know if you're if you're trying to like get your head around the personal relationships in Peter Parker's life, like in from the early comics, like in the sixties and seventies, this would be a great series to recommend to somebody. Um, as I'm reading more of these comics, I'm finding that I really enjoy these limited series mm -hmm. a lot. And in some cases, even more than like the ongoing series, because sometimes like the ongoing series, it's like you have these really cool events and that you have these really cool moments, but sometimes it's like, we just got to get a comic out this month, you know? And it is whatever gets produced. And I've definitely read some filler comics in my day. Whereas when it's a limited series like this, it's like, this is the story that we want to tell. This is how long we have to tell it. The pacing is usually better. Um, I feel like they have more of a control over like the themes that they want to present. And, and like, it's, you know, it's usually just one artist and one author. And I feel like that provides a certain amount of like directness and clarity to stories mm -hmm. versus when like it's mixed up it's like whoever's available to draw this is going to draw it but yeah so so this is peter and like it's like a voiceover narration and where he's like making these tapes and even as he's making them he's like i don't even i don't even know why i'm doing this i don't even know who's going to listen to these i just found this tape recorder in the attic and it seemed like a thing to do and i just really wanted to talk to you gwen and talk about like you know all these events that happened and you know his perspective on it and like why he fell in love with her mm -hmm. um, so he talks a little bit about like meeting her for the first time and how he was really flustered and still at that point in his life like getting adjusted to being spider-man and being peter peter parker and also like meeting people like gwen for the first time who thought he had something more to offer as peter parker because oh. he was just so used to being like a bookworm and a wallflower and he was like, she's paying attention to me and I have no idea why. And like, he didn't know what to do with it. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. It's, I think it's a really good characterization. It does show a lot of like, I think it, it does highlight some of like what makes just like Gwen Stacy special 
and also helps provide a little bit of contrast between her and Mary Jane, which like at the end of the comic, you find out that at this point in time, like he's married to Mary Jane. And so like she comes up in the attic and finds him making these tapes and she's like, well, tell her, tell Gwen I say hi to. And I think it's, it, it did kind of feel like a fan fiction, but I think that only felt that way to me because I think a lot of times comic books don't give their authors this kind of liberty to tell these kinds of stories. Right. Whereas like, that's what fanfic authors live on. So uh, it was one I definitely wanted to bring up. That's really sweet. Like, honestly, a lot of the time, like when you tell me about these, I, I usually like, like one of them will really like stick out to me or like one will sound particularly funny or entertaining, but like this one's like, so it's really heartfelt. Yeah. It's 100% sentimental. And I feel like there aren't enough comics that are like that. Like, not to be like, we should have a huge industry shift. But I definitely feel like, um, I feel like sentimentality is sort of a lost theme. Like, it's a thematic element mm-hmm. that, that people, that's very underused, I guess I When it say. comes to, like, superhero comics and, like, the big, you know, comics, I think that's definitely true. If mm-hmm. In that way, this almost felt more like an indie comic story that, like, Spider-Man happened to be in. Yeah. So I really appreciate that. And I like that a lot. And I'm very touched. Just with the plot and the idea of it. Um, <laughs> So that's probably going to be my check it out after the show pick is Spider-Man Blue. But let's go ahead and talk about the third one. I'm, I'm, I want to hear about this one. This one is great. And I I had to reel in my summary because um, I didn't want to purposely mislead you. This is actually sort of a crossover event. So it half of it happened in Spider-Man, the Miles Morales Spider-Man comic, mm-hmm. and half of it happened in Spider-Gwen. So it was kind of like a back and forth thing. And it is a team up and the events get the ball rolling with Miles, but like Gwen is an equal partner in all of these things. And most of the events happen in her universe. So Miles goes to her universe and he's looking for his dad and they end up running into like the version of his dad who like never turned his life around and never met Miles's mom. Mm -hmm. And he's kind of like a low level crime Lord. It's a very confusing time. They do have a little bit of a chit chat about like meeting other versions of people they know. And she kind of has a moment where she's like, yeah, it was weird meeting Peter Parker for the first time from your universe. Like that was something, which is something that has only recently been touched on in like the main Spider-Man storyline, which people like, wait, that wasn't the first thing they did with Gwen Stacy was have her talk about how fucking weird that would be. (laughs) Um, But also like the Gwen Stacy, as you saw in um into the spider-verse gwen stacy is much closer to miles's age than she is to like peter parker's age there is kind of that difference where like they're both younger they're both less experienced although gwen is more experienced than miles and there are moments where he's like yeah i thought i had a handle on my powers but then i see the way that she moves and the control that she has and the way that she's creative with how she uses her powers and i'm just like i know how to punch harder Uh, (laughs) yeah i got a lot to learn and they specifically talk about like how they are the ones that need to handle this problem. Um, you know, they're the the young ones, the the youth are the ones that need to handle this. And there is a moment where Gwen gets zapped into another universe where she sees a future where a version of Gwen and a version of Miles have become 
cross-dimensional husband and wife and they're like celebrated spider hero people in this like utopian landscape and she like tumbles into their apartment where their two kids are being babysat by uh peter porker <laughs> spider ham right he's like oh god it's another gwen and she's like what do you mean he's like ah eh, you you know gwens are rolling in here all the time are you from the past or the future or, like what's your deal and he and their kids end up like going to go help them solve this crisis or whatever but uh at the end of it they get a little bit like she's like uh yeah so that was weird i definitely saw a future where we're married and he's like uh i mean we just started hanging out she's like yeah but they smooch and actually like miles's <laughs> version what's really funny is like my that happens at the end of gwen's comic something that i think is really cute about the way these issues are strung together is that in Gwen's storyline, her seeing this potential future for, like, the two of them is the last thing that happens. And then they kind of have a moment on the rooftop where she kind of kisses him out of the blue. And she's like, I'm not super sure why I did that. It seemed like the right thing to do. And he's like, we just started hanging out. But, I mean, that was nice, I guess. And she's <laughs> like, yeah, I, maybe we should just focus on being friends and partners and stuff like that. And he's like, yeah, that's probably the right move. But in Miles' version of events, that's how he starts the story. Oh. So, like, he's in his room with his roommate and his friend. And he and so the very first thing you see is a panel of them just, like, sucking face. And they're like, you have a girlfriend? You have to tell us everything. <laughs> and then he, like, <laughs> launches into the events, which I just think is, like, an extremely appropriate, like, way that this would play out. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, it's really cool. Like I said, most of it happens in Gwen's universe. What I love about Gwen's universe, Universe 65, is that like it speaks to my vaporwave soul. Like the colors <laughs> that they use when they're illustrating it, and like the art style is just mm, it's good. Some good neons and like sharp blacks. Like it's it's excellent. Um, and after reading the Gwen Venom, the Gwenum comic, <laughs> uh. That one was a little bit of a of a shakeup because Matt Murdock makes an appearance in this one, but in this one he works for Cindy Moon who runs Silk, which is like a a secret organization or whatever, and he's like kind of her like legal henchman. I he's not Daredevil, but he is a bad guy and like he works with the ninjas, and I was just like oh, Matt, no, <laughs> like <laughs> there's there are some characters when like. You see an evil version of them. You're like, oh, sweet. And then there's some characters where you're like, no. Maybe <laughs> you were the chosen one. Maybe we you were do rooting that. for you. Maybe you do that. <laughs> for me, there's two versions. And it's like, oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> that's it. That's all I got for corruption. I think it also depends on the kind of evil. Like, like corporate no. evil is like the least sexy evil. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, but that that does mean that daddy has mad money. So it's true. He does I, get to wear a tidy suit. Yeah. So, you know, I can't <laughs> listen. <laughs> this is how we, this is how we talk about the delineation between fiction and reality, because I can be horny for a stupidly rich, uh, Matt Murdoch, who's a corporate bad guy and be fine with it. I, but if I met a man like that in real life, I would scalp him. <laughs> as my right as an indigenous person from the chin up just be gone with you <laughs> but in a comic book i'm like yeah so we could hang out and it would be great <laughs> and you can pay me to be your boyfriend and uh, and you'll love it 
I love the I love the loop for the um I'm sorry, can you remind me of the title of this one again? So like I said, this happens in Spider-Man and Spider-Gwen, but it is collected in a single volume, which is Spider-Man slash Spider-Gwen sitting in a tree. It's not called that. It is called that. <laughs> anyway, what I was going to say is that I love the the loop. I love a, what would, what would you call it? I guess a continuity loop where like the the beginning and the end are like the the same point. Yes, very satisfying. Yeah, I love that. I love that as like a storytelling aspect, especially in this case, where they're like, oh, we shouldn't, well, we should chill. But like when you start off, you're like, oh boy, they are smooching. <laughs> so I think that's great. I've really uh, enjoyed all of the stories about Gwen because um, I didn't know anything about her. And now I understand why she's so well loved. I'm also very excited about my queen sticker. But wait, there's more. Do you have a cool piece of Spider-Gwen trivia for us this week? I have one of my favorite pieces of trivia that I've ever had on this show. I have been waiting for the opportunity to drop this one. I, okay, I want to say that Kat messaged me this on Discord like a handful of days ago, or maybe it was yesterday. Time is fake. And... And that's exactly what she said to me. She was like, I can't wait to give you this piece of fiction. I've been waiting. And so I've just been like frothing. Like, what could this possibly be? So please tell me what it is. All right. So obviously today with Marvel being owned by Disney and comic books and comic book movies and IP being such a big market, things are much more controlled, right? Sure. As far as, you know, who can do what and who can publish what and print what where. But in the earlier days of comics, it was much more chaotic Mm -hmm. titles rose and fell all the time marvel especially you know sometimes would just throw stuff at the wall and see what stuck and maybe this title will stick around for five issues or maybe it would stick around for 50 years you never knew right definitely at times when money was tight like they might license things to other companies or sell rights that's kind of how sony has the spider-man rights is because like in the 90s like marvel was like fuck what can we sell and you know also like litigation was also a very different animal in the early days but one of the things that marvel did was they licensed Uh, some of their comics to be printed in other countries. So other countries, publishers would, you know, then translate them and then print them as they saw fit, whether that was, you know, in newspapers or comic book format or whatever. In Mexico. Okay. This was the case where they were publishing um, the Spider-Man comics, you know, monthly. Uh, I think the the publisher was La Prensa. Okay. La Prensa was the one that was publishing the Spider-Man comics in Mexico. Mm -hmm. And then it came around that, Gwen Stacy was going to die. And I don't know whether they found this out ahead of the, of time or whether there was just a lag, um, mm. you know, because obviously they had to pub, like translate them before they could publish them. Sure. Now, is this the like original, like OG Gwen Stacy death? Right, right. Okay. Like in the 60s. And so La Prensa was like, we can't do that. Like everybody loves Gwen. We can't just kill. She's Spider-Man's girlfriend. We can't kill her. <laughs> and they asked marvel they were like hey can we like buy the rights or you know get permission to publish our own spider-man comics that Gwen doesn't die in and marvel was like no and then they do and did it anyway (gasps) (laughs) the rebellion this came to light this was something that happened and like was kind of just a footnote in comic book history 
until fairly recently, like earlier this year, Chris Ryle, who is the president of IDW uh, Comics, like this, he caught wind of this and then like became obsessed and like was started posting about this all over Twitter and was like, what? There's apparently like a whole other Spider-Man continuity in Mexico where Gwen Stacy stays alive and like they get married. Like there's a, a wedding, which is always a big deal comics. There's a comic where like Gwen Stacy and Peter Parker get married and, and uh, they're extremely hard to find because like the archival, I mean, honestly, early, American comics can be hard to find if they were obscure. And so like the archival thing wasn't really necessarily a thing that was happening in Mexico. Someone had a picture where they were like, oh, my uncle collected them and like had a picture of like one guy who like had a stack of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can find the cover images for them, but like so far, I don't think they've been translated or put online, but like people were just losing their minds at these comics, some of which were just reprints of Spider-Man or uh, in Mexico. It's, um, El sorprendente hombre araña. Wow. Um, it's a mouthful. So some of them were just like re- translation and reprints of the regular adventures, but then there's all these other original stories that were only published in Mexico. Uh-huh. And so Chris Rael was like, I have to find these. I have to like learn more about this. Like, how did this happen or whatever? And the artist behind it, his name is Jose Luis Gonzalez Duran. Uh, was the artist behind these original comics. And he was just like smitten with Gwen. Okay. He was like, I just, I, I didn't think it felt right to, to kill her off. And she's, you know, this beloved big character. She's so attractive, like as a character, but also like uh, as, as a person in the story that I just didn't feel right killing her off. And so, you know, I did everything I could to keep her alive, but Mm -hmm. like his work was basically faded into obscurity and it's only because like it recently got this attention apparently like you know he's in his 80s now in mexico and like Mm -hmm. he's you know got failing eyesight and he was like you know he's like i know these are my last years and so it's really wild that like now my work is suddenly like sought after and has like gained fame after all these years but should you go looking for some of this artwork which you you can if you do a little digging find Mm -hmm. the cover art you might notice that um one, Peter looks a little more not Latino, but definitely <laughs> like Oh no. Like he's got he's got that very distinct like Mexican dad haircut. Oh no, cat, no, you're not about to tell me what I think you're gonna tell me. And uh I, I don't think so. I don't think I am. Okay, oh my god, okay. And Gwen is real juicy. <gasps> like real juicy. She's got multiple cases of junk in that trunk <gasps> the reason for which is uh mr gonzalez duran got his start drawing adult comics oh and he brought over some of that style to his spider-man work oh my god <laughs> so uh i highly recommend looking looking this up uh checking them out just as a point of interest it's it's really something wild to see this whole other universe that existed you know before the spider-verse was even remotely considered Mm -hmm. um there wasn't another dimension (laughs) i was so ready for you to tell me that this man had drawn himself as (laughs) spider-man that's really where i thought you were going with it and that's why i was like oh no i honestly it's what i would do but that's kind (laughs) of my brand anyway so i mean not uh, not with Gwen, obviously, but like 
props though because i feel like if you're gonna go on like a big rebellion like viva la revolution spider-man style and just be like fuck you we're printing whatever comics we want i think if you want to draw yourself as spider-man fucking do it like like what is there to lose oh my god he was ahead of the game (laughs) he invented the spider sona I love it. Oh my God. This is great. I'm so glad that you were like, this is going to be great. Cause I'm, Oh, I love it. I, Oh, and I love that Gwen is so thick. Like, Oh my God. Everything about this is perfect. It's so funny and so good. Uh, thank you so much for doing the research and digging that up. If you would like to talk to us about Senor Duran's uh, spider Sona or whether, or your spider Sona, or whether or not you feel like you're allowed to be horny for a corporate villain, or if you want to actually stay on topic and give us some ideas for future episodes, uh, you can send us an email at wasspideythere at gmail.com, or you can tweet us at wasspideythere on Twitter. You can add us if you're talking to us, hashtag if you're talking about us. Thanks so much for listening this week. My name is Zeke. And I'm Kat. And we'll see you. Bye. What's up, Spider Pals? It's Zeke. If you enjoyed the stories that we talked about in today's episode, you should go check out the issues they're from. And they are Unbelievable Gwenpool, number 25, Edge of Venomverse, number 2, Spider-Man Blue, numbers 1 through 6, Spider-Man 2016, numbers 12 through 14, Spider-Gwen 2, numbers 16 through 18, El Sorprendente Hombre Araña. I know I didn't say that right. And our featured fic this week is Packing for the Rest of Your Life by Tomato Cages. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see ya.